Hi, welcome to Sound Thinking. I'm Marty Duda, and today we have Jeff Neems. He's going to be uh, reviewing the new Liam Gallagher, John Squire album. Veronica Bell has a scoop on Faye Webster's new one. It's called Underdressed at the Symphony. Graham Reed is taking on the Beavis Fronds' Focus on Nature. And I'm going to tell you all about a new album by a local group called, or a guy, called Drop Spindle. So we'll start things off with probably the one that people might be most interested in hearing about, or curious about at least. Uh, Jeff, you've got Liam Gallagher and John Squire, a, a guy from Oasis and a guy from the Stone Roses. Uh, is, is it a marriage made in heaven? Uh, I think it depends on what you went in expecting and hoping for, uh, Marty. I, I guess a little bit of context would be helpful here. I, um, as I've noted in my review that you posted to the website, I lived in London twice in the in the nineties, um, back when Graham was writing so astutely for the New Zealand Herald, um, and I um, remember the brick pop. The, the the brick pop dominance of the period sure. we were we um we couldn't get away from from blur and oasis and you know lots of other bands that had a single word for a name um some others included elastica travis suede um pulp of course were another one as well but um the sound was massive it was just all consuming really for the british music media and the british mainstream media as well um and i mean i sort of took a partial interest in it but i guess what fascinated me was the way the media framed the battle between uh oasis who of course were fronted by the gallagher brothers uh, noel the guitarist and primary songwriter and and uh, liam the singer um who really was sort of little more than a a a drunken loudmouth um, get to be honest um, with a whiny voice <laughs> with a whiny well yeah I mean whiny's nasal is definitely the way to describe it I think and so um, so those two bands really really just absolutely dominated the charts and they dominated the, the sort of music consciousness of the period um, but I was never really a fan the Stone Roses on the other hand are probably one of my two or three favourite British acts uh, and I think um, I, I think they were sort of hard done by really that um, legal wrangles throughout their career never really uh, allowed them to flourish the way they could. The, uh, the, the first album was just a truly remarkable, um, truly remarkable work. And, and what made it um, such a success for me, as well as um, uh, the, the, the vocal delivery by the guy whose name is Ian Brown, Ian Brown's vocals, was the guitar work and the compositions by uh, John Squire, the guitarist. And when the Stone Roses reformed, uh, to many people's surprise, a few years ago and, and did a series of uh, concerts around the world, I went to the show at Vector and um, it was remarkable. I thought they were brilliant. Um, but to, to, to quickly fast forward um, to this record, it's Fairly much straight ahead British rock, Marty. It's it's kind of what you'd expect. Um, Liam Gallagher, to his credit, seems to have improved his singing. Yeah, I saw, uh, I saw him at Spe- uh, the, the Spark Arena last year. I've never been a big fan of his voice at all. I was very impressed with his show that he put on. So, yeah, I mean, he's got he's got. <laughs> He's got swagger, which is, I think, what appeals to a lot of people. I I always think of him as that sort of moppy-haired guy with Adidas old-school sneakers and jeans and, you know, sort of, as I mentioned before, sort of sauntering around rather like a spoiled child and sort of throwing pints in pubs and, you know, sort of snarling at the crowd and being Mr. Cool and Mr. Aggro. But on this record, he actually sings pretty well. Uh, I think what lets it down is the quality of the songs, which um, really is, is just a bit dull. I noted in my review that there's one song on there called I'm So Bored, which was sort of how I felt listening to the album <laughs> second time. I, I listened to it a couple of times today in the office um, while I was busy working for the government in my day job. Um, and I sort of thought, well, there's just nothing here that really stands out. I mean, it's rather formulaic, rather obvious. I mean, Squire's a great guitarist and he gets to flourish it little bit on this album but um there's not a lot of innovation there's no boundaries pushed i mean it feels to me like the sort of record or the sort of album that you would hear in a british pub while you were sinking your tenants with your mates on the way to a millwall football club game or something um wanted a lot like a lot of the albums unfortunately that i've reviewed for you recently i wanted and hoped for a lot more than i actually got right. um I, I mean, it's it's not going to win over any new fans, but if you liked either of the bands that these two guys came from, um, you're probably going to go into it and enjoy it because it, it follows the familiar path that they take. I mean, just thinking here about some of the lyrics, there's a, there's a few that are a bit cliche. I mean, I, I picked out a few here for my review. You know, the, it talks about the sunniness of the sun, the blueness of the sky, regrets about feelings and behavior and drunken nights. 
um you know a lot of rock cliche there's sunlight in someone's hair someone has to get out of somewhere i mean maybe i'm expecting too much from contemporary rock and roll and hoping for a bit more than this but um as you know marty i listen to a lot of rap music and and storytelling is fundamental in rap music and i felt like this album really lacked a bit of storytelling so um, we have a track here let's play something well, I mean, the opening single, I think it's called Over the Rainbows or In the Rainbows or something. That's not too bad. Um, just another rainbow. Yeah. Just another <laughs> rainbow. Yeah, just another rainbow. <laughs> just another rainbow. <laughs> All right, well, well, let's give that a spin yeah. and then we'll come back and see what we think of it. All right, that's just another rainbow. Uh, Liam Gallagher, John Squire. I got a kind of psychedelic tomorrow never knows kind of vibe from that one. From, but, uh, you know, they're always referring back to the Beatles. So, so that's not a bad thing. Yeah. No, and I think that the Beatles comment there is interesting, Marty, because that's where that whole sort of Britpop sort of late 80s, early 90s British rock sound points back to that and, and sort of the jam and, and, and those sort of, um, you know, sort of punk bands of the 70s. But, um, yeah, the album doesn't really go anywhere. And, and I guess um, a bit more variety would have kept my interest a lot longer than it did. Did you uh, happen to catch the, uh, I got a uh, Hendrix vibe out of the following track. It's called Love You Forever. As, uh, yes. Yeah. Right. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. So, so I, I kind of I I think I like the album a little more than you did, Jeff, because especially in the middle there, there was the Beatles thing, then the Hendrix thing, and then they had uh, oh the, a little bit later there was a song called "You're Not the Only One." It was kind of a Jerry Lee Lewis rockery kind of thing with the piano. So, so yeah. So yeah, uh, Veronica, do you have any idea what we're talking about? <laughs> this is going to be a controversial opinion. Okay, bring it on. I hate Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> I never liked them either. I, I never liked I know, them either. I'm sorry. I, I literally can't get behind it. I'm I'm so sorry. Like I'm, it's the you know as Jeff said, um, the very beta kind of like poetry. It's giving half ass. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Fair enough. I'm so yep, sorry. Yep, yep. It's gonna be savage this week. All right. Well, that's all right. I, I I feel a similar way to Oasis. I think they had one good song, which is "Don't Look Back in Anger." Which was the best song that Mott the Hoople never did. But other than that, so it's not it's not <laughs> the mainstream. You had to one, huh? the damn Hoople, I, didn't I you? can't help it. You had to get Mott the <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, I can imagine Mott doing that song. It doesn't. It, it sounds just like one of their best tunes that they never did. But anyway, what did you think of the album, Graham? Uh, okay, you know, I think we put it in the context. Um, you know, I was in the UK at that time and. I interviewed um, Liam and Noel and um, what's his name, Damon, and all those, you know, many of those people. Just name dropping um, there. And I actually saw a really great um, Oasis show. I think it was, it was like a week after they just played Wembley and they played this basketball stadium in not Manchester, somewhere else, you know, Birmingham or something. And um, I remember what one guy in the NME said, you know, watching Oasis play, you might as well hold a postcard picture of them up and just kind of move it around like that. (laughs) Absolutely true. Absolutely true. There was bugger all visually going on, but my God, it was amazing. You know, they they were really on the top of their game at that point. I think it was after the second album, you know, when they were – they really were world beaters, and and I, you know, I I get what you're saying, Jeff, about the swagger. Uh, we, we I'm pretty sure we had a curry and a pint before we went to see them, and it was that kind of night. You know, you you were on the terraces at Millwall or 
Manchester City or whatever it is. Um, but in terms of this album, you know, I have a couple of things to say about it. Um, certainly Liam needed to do something new. Um, I listened to the BDI things, which were pretty bloody dull. But then I think he, he actually hit a bit of a pace with uh, As You Were, which is an interesting, you know, more, when I say interesting, you know, we're still suspending judgment on it. <laughs> it was pretty good. But then, you know, why me, why not? In 2019, I thought, oh, man, this guy is actually doing something now. He's certainly still in the zone. He's, you know, he's appealing to Oasis people, you know, as he did at that gig here. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing about that is that I always thought, um, you know, Noel always wanted to be Paul Weller. That's always yes. been my thinking. Yeah. Whereas Liam just thought, oh, fuck it, I'm a rock and roll star. I'm just yeah. going to be Liam Gallagher. And he just kept being Liam. And that really worked on Why Me, Why Not, I thought. But then, unfortunately, after that, what what did we get? We got the live at Nebworth and we got the live at the Thames. And, you know, half of each of those albums were old Oasis songs. And he, he you know, he recognised his audience. I get that. Um, and so you come to this one and I just thought, well, yeah, it's uh, Stoned Oasis is what it <laughs> is. Yeah. We love being stoned. Stone like, let's be for real. Okay. <laughs> You know they can arrest you for that, Veronica, and we know we But know. listen, all I want – I'm just chilling and I'm eating pizza. Like I'm not killing no one. It's not that deep, guys. She might have a, pres she might have a prescription. I do, actually. Thank you, Jeff. But, you know, <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, when I heard this album, I thought, yeah, it's the sum of two parts. And, you know, Just Another Rainbow, I thought, oh, yeah, when it, when it starts, it's just fucking Oasis. That's all it is. Mm. Yeah. And then after that, there's that middle bit, and you go, oh, this is the guitar wig out, you know, and then, as Marty says, at the end, it's the Beatles. Um, what I thought was really interesting is that John Squire, you know, is the guitar hero. We get that. And I loved, I really loved Stone Roses. I just thought, like like you, Jeff, there was something very special and magical about yeah. that. That first album just kept playing it and playing it. You know, even when it was playing backwards, you just thought, my God, these guys are gifted, you know. Mm. Um, but... John Squire on this album suddenly becomes this almost like old school Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix guitar hero. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking Love You Forever is yeah, very, very much Jimi Hendrix. And then was it I Am The Wheel? But, man, he, he's gone yeah, back. Yeah, blues riff like, on that thing, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, blues tropes. <laughs> But for me, if I was an Oasis fan and maybe even still a Stone Roses fan, I'd be drinking beer. Yeah, there you go. I wouldn't that often. I'd certainly play it more often than the last two, you know, live Liam albums. <laughs> and it's, I, I thought it was a serviceable album. And if they pursue this path and get more interesting, 
I'll stick with the okay. but at the moment I, I still think it's like a holding action for both of them. Yep, yep. All righty. I'll let you have a nice word, Jeff. Jeff, what do you want? What, yeah, what thanks. You... I, Graham, absolutely agree with, with everything you said there. I guess what it misses from the Stone Roses sound is the funkiness. It doesn't have that funkiness that the Stone Roses have. And and no that's what attracted me to their album. And and you guys um, mentioned that it, it feels a bit almost cliche classic Rocky. And if it had had the sort of more fun, more of the funky element, more of the soulful element, I think I would have been a lot more interested in a, and a lot more enthusiastic than I was. All righty. I absolutely agree. You know, it's not an album that you dance to. It's an album you sort of put your fists in the air to. Yep. And we've got enough of those in the world. All right, moving on. Faye Webster, Veronica Bell. I just kind of laid that one on you. Have you have you heard of Faye before you listened to this record, Veronica? No, sir, I had not. Um, (laughs) Do you know what? Every every week I'm like, I don't know who that is, and but this is the whole greatness of this of this podcast, right? You have an opportunity to find new music that you may not have found otherwise. Um, okay. When I listen, I want to preface this by saying when I, when I listened to her Spotify stuff, um, really, really liked it. It was sort of really, um, vulnerable and quite sincere in the delivery in which she, um, gives in in her records. And I really enjoy it. This is not this album, but I'm just saying in her already released Spotify stuff, I thought that things were really well mixed. I thought that the mastering was really good. I felt like the words were very, very clear to hear. So... Overall, this album is real is is pretty good, okay. But I do have some reservations. So, um, shall we listen to a track and then discuss your reservations? Absolutely. What what shall we start with? Um, okay. So, okay, my standout track is "Lifetime," actually. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So we'll play that, and then we'll find out why you Mm -hmm, like it so mm -hmm. much. like about this track in particular is the um instrument instrumentation and the way in which the vocals have been delivered and then recorded um it is very clear to me that uh, it seems to me that Faye is playing into this what I call like calligraphy type font singing um it's it's almost it's almost as if she is using her accent that she like genuinely has to speak sing in that kind of voice so I think by this time in the album I really kind of I kind of understood what she was trying to do um at this point I think that this is the track that really showcases her voice the best I think it really showcases her songwriting the best though I will say that it was fairly difficult to um understand some of the songs that she was singing I just I don't know whether it was the mix. I don't know whether it was the um, master. I'm not too sure, but I did find it quite difficult. So is it important to you to be able to hear the lyrics well, and understand what well, they're Well, yeah, especially yeah. if somebody labels themselves as a singer-songwriter. Like, I'm not expecting okay. Mariah Carey vocals, but I am expecting to hear what you're talking about, which is why I was, I was a little, you know, in, in her release stuff on Spotify, it's really, really clear and really, really good. But I don't know whether it was the files that we were seeing. I'm not entirely too sure. Um, uh, but okay. it kind of, it's, it's a really strange amalgamation of, of artists that I could kind of think of upon the first listen, on the first song. So I kind of felt like it was a mixture between um, Britney Spears, Phoebe Bridges, with a little right. bit of Kiwi artist Paige in there. Like if that's that's okay. kind of like the melting pot that I put it into. Um, 
you know, it's the way in which I would describe her voice, um, particularly in, in thinking about you, I would say it's summery, it's a little bit shimmery, um, a little bit stone vibes, okay? A trans- oh, there, there we go. go. A transcendence <laughs> through a prism of beautifully collected chords is what I have written here. Ah. Um, yep. Now, But Not A Kiss, which is a focus track, um, it's super avant-garde. It, it's, it's definitely... Um, a challenging listen through and I not for not for somebody like myself who is a music enthusiast but I imagine for somebody who maybe listens to top 40 or something like that they would think whoa this is super wacky and super weird but um what I liked the most about this track is how can you how can you mash country and the beach at the same time that's that's <laughs> the kind of vibe that I got from this track you know I don't know um how she did it but i love how she incorporated the use of symphonic techniques to give color and texture to this track in particular to kind of really emulate almost like this you could kind of hear the feel of the sand you could kind of feel this kind of like i'm in the nature i'm in the country i'm having a good you know i'm i'm living obviously That was but not but not a kiss yeah what i really want to talk about though this is like the super outlier of this whole record and that's this um track that she had featured with little yacht little yachty little little yachty i guess in new zealand you got it and and (laughs) little yachty but it's like little yachty yachty. right okay um (laughs) well they're both from atlanta georgia so we should I think they went to school together. To oh, school. see, that makes a lot of sense because I was thinking this is the least likely pairing that I would have, you know. They're buddies from way back. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I kind of see it's this weird amalgamation of jazz, Olivia Rodrigo, but then in comes Little Yachty. But why does this whole track kind of <laughs> give me the ick? Um, surely there could have been better collaborations if she wanted to go into this realm. Case in point, Post Malone would have been a far better and more appropriate option uh, from 220 okay. onwards it's like chaos but not I, I it wasn't for, look it wasn't for me and i i never ever want to sit there and say that it's bad music because i think the music really is um it's up to you right but it, it super cha- super challenging to listen to <laughs> I would have loved it if, if, if that part wasn't there, okay? Um, <laughs> um, okay, oh my gosh, this is, I don't know. This is, I swear I'm okay. I say this every time. This this whole, okay, I've written here, okay, in my notes, right? Do we need to call, we don't need to call somebody. <laughs> They've already been called, okay? <laughs> They're waiting outside. They are, the listen. Um, I said, this Honestly, this music is in the best possible way. Oh my god, I don't know if I can say this live. Oh shit. Music to take acid to and then self-harm at the beach while simultaneously being taken away to another world with the love of your life. A hallucination, maybe? I don't know. As long as it comes with a lyric sheet, I don't really care at this point. I don't know what the lyrics are. 
okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> okay, as it, I've said this before, I'm an emo girly, okay? I love yeah. music that is is talking about some real shit, okay? I really genuinely appreciate it. So if the music kind of makes you feel that way, I think that that's a huge compliment. I think music is, is there to invoke some sort of feeling. So if it's invoking something... It's good. It's good in its own way. Um, I right. just, I, I, I'm sorry, Marty. I cannot get past the mixing of the vocals. I wish, I oh, okay. wish right. that it was clearer. Overall, it's not a bad album. Um, truly, I, I feel like it was more of a mixtape to me than an album. As opposed, you know, with an album, I feel like every song should cohesively transcend into the other one and kind of like maybe right, maybe right. reference previous tracks. I kind of felt like that this was a mishmash of just like random maybe demos that she really, really liked and she really wanted to finish. That's not a problem. That's not the issue. It just, it felt more of a mixtape than an album to me. Um, okay. But... She's a phenomenal songwriter. Once I sat down and was able to decipher the lyrics, she's a phenomenal songwriter. And um, I just hope that um, on streaming platforms, it will just sound a little bit better. That's all. All righty. Let's throw it out to the panel. Jeff and Graham, what do you have? Thoughts about this record? Go for your Um, Oh, thank you. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, Um, I talk way too much. Are you... No, no, Veronica. I'm very glad you picked out Lifetime. I just thought that that's the mm. absolute standout for me. You know, I, I loved its kind of ambient quality. I just thought, ah, now this is an intelligence at work. I really mm. did like that. Uh, but not Kiss. I like that because of the you know piano repetition okay. and all that kind of thing. But but then I just got utterly <laughs> turned off by um, feeling good today. You know, that, that overuse of auto-tune I just thought was an absolute appalling <laughs> affectation. All right. And like, and, like, and like you, you know, I'd love to hear, have heard what she was saying. Um, and and uh, Lego Ring, again, you know, I just thought, I listened to those two pieces, and I think Feeling Good Today is about 90 seconds long. I mean, it's not a substantial piece. <laughs> might, might be Lego, Lego again. But, you know, I just thought, these are slight ideas that have been, you know, pushed into something in the studio. Yeah, see. And so over the long haul, I, I, I did find it a long mm-hmm. haul, and which should never do. Um, I, I just thought, well, this is not an album. You know, this is some bits and pieces, possibly a mixtape, as you say. <laughs> you know, it's like here's a few ideas, which I've got the money to do in the studio, and I will do this, but really, you know, uh, feeling good today. I just thought that was an absolute <laughs> you know. And there you no, go. Oh, there's, no way, there's no way around that. I don't think there's no song there. There's nothing going on, and it's oh. auto-tuned into this yeah. affectation of pop. Oh, you're an icon, Graham. Right. Lifetime, but not Kiss. Two great singles, they're not an album made. All right. Jeff, what do you think? That's my uh, 40 cents Well, I agree largely with Graham. Uh, I've, I've managed to uh, simplify my uh, opinion here down into one phrase. It's um, sad girl emo waft pop, which goes nowhere. <laughs> I love All right. that. <laughs> I think that's fabulous. What a fabulous right. explanation. <laughs> Feel free to I use will, it. I yeah. will. Feel free to use it. Even make some. Even make I some. do. Have you not listened already? <laughs> I, uh, oh, that was... must have must have missed that one. <laughs> the whole thing, yes. No, I think I like the album a little more than the rest of you guys. Uh, I knew you would. I thought, uh, thinking about you, the opening track had that had a very warm kind of vibe to it that made me feel all warm and fuzzy. So I, that kind of drew me in, I think. And I, I did. I I like the pedal steel guitar that kind of came in. and That out was nice. I did like that too. And, uh, you know, I felt like I was listening to an album. It was a little different here and there, but uh, it didn't blow me away, but I, I think I reacted to it better than the rest of you. But there you go. That's what we're here Sorry, Marty. Sort out. <laughs> All righty. Now, speaking of sorting out, Graham, what the heck are you talking about here? You got the Beavis Frond. <laughs> yeah, it's one yeah, of those yeah, bands yeah. or acts that's been around forever that I don't think I've ever actually listened to, but they made about a thousand records. 
Uh, indeed, they have, Marty, and it's very nice of you to point that out. Um, yeah, uh, uh, a few years ago, like, gosh, a long time ago, 2015-16, uh, I have this area on my website, uh, my Elsewhere website, where I, I have uh, We Need to Talk About. Yeah. And that is, you know, we need to talk about this artist because why? Because they murdered their kids or their wife or they made their own instruments <laughs> or they were just plain weird and different, you know. And we need to talk about some of these people. Uh, and in the, yeah, 2016, I wrote about We Need to Talk About Beavis From which is actually just the vehicle for this guy called Nick Salomon. Uh, he's out of London, uh, Walthamstow in London, which is, I'm sure when he was growing up in Walthamstow, it was a pretty low-rent area, but it's not now. It's, you know, gentrification has taken it over. Um, and But in 2016, when I wrote about him, I was really late to the party. At that point, he'd released about 25 <laughs> albums. Um, and so... Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys who just sort of keeps doing it um, because he can, uh, because he's a gifted songwriter, I think a gifted songwriter, within the parameters of genres. Let me just make that clear. You know, what, what you hear when he plays is not enormously innovative, but within the genre that he chooses, and it can be psychedelic rock or folk pop or alt indie rock, he, he just comes on like, wow, he's just kind of nailed that genre. Um, there were, at that point, I was sort of interested in him because there'd been a whole bunch of reissues that come out. Um, and so I just sort of kept reminding people on my website, well, this is who this guy is. Unfortunately, the next one that came along was called We're Your Friends, Man, and it wasn't that good. But in 2021, he did this, I think, a fantastic double album called Little Eden. I chose it as one of the one of the best albums of the year because he took all those genres, psychedelic rock, indie rock, ballads, blah, blah, blah. He took all that and sort of applied it to a contemporary view of Britain. And he's always been one of those observational songwriters. I would put him in that category of Ray Davies, in the, in the 60s, not Ray Davies now, but you know, in, in that sort of category. And he's a really, really mm. smart cookie. Uh, so now he has come back, and he's come back with another double album. That's just what we need. One of those unconstrained guys. Um, and, and this new album, he just kind of holds up a mirror, yet again, as, as he did on Little Eden, about these sort of dysfunctional times. You know, what's happening with the assault on the mm. landscape? Misguided thinking that, we're, you know, growth is progress. Now, he somehow manages to put that all into songs which remind me, you know, I, I, I guess sometimes of Pavement or Sonic Youth or people like that. Okay. But he's not without humour. And so the first track I thought we could play is him questioning himself about standing in the rain outside a gig to see another shitty band. But then he, you know, like it's like a Lemonhead song. He says, I'm not here for them. I'm here for the other one, like the opening act. So let's have a listen to that one, mate. Okay. with the Beavis Frond and Graham Reed's take on their focus on nature, all 19 tracks. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big monster. There's no doubt about that. But his last one was the same. And I, I find them enduring because, you know, in the same way that I've 
you know, find Husker do, you know, they, they can do a double album with just, it's gripping all the way. And this guy is a bit like that because there's a sense of urgency in a lot of his songs, Uh, particularly at the moment, you know, he's into this idea of, you know, the urgency of climate change. I mean, this sounds really worthy, but it doesn't come off like that, you know, Uh, the the denial and anger, you know, about what's going on in the world. Um, he is also a remarkably incendiary guitarist. When he wants to, he can just unleash it. Uh, and, and, you know, not in, not in that kind of way that sort of 60s rock guitarists would, because after all, that's a pretty rock. But, you know, in a much more focused, like, you know, replacements, has to do right. kind of thing. So I just thought, mate, this is the opener, and it's called Heat. And... You know, he said, I'm so tired of scary ecological forecasts. We're all going down the place. It's all about money and everybody's talking about the heat. So this is the opener on the album. It's called does these really great sort of alt pop songs which you just think oh man that is who didn't write that before everybody wrote that song before but he kind of pulls it off uh and i just thought uh, maybe we got it wrong which has a message but it struck me as like you know a solo song by paul westerberg oh, there you go. of the replacement that kind of thing so if you give us 30 seconds of this we'll throw it open to the panel and people can tell me exactly why i've got it <laughs> All right, maybe we got it wrong. New music from the Beavis Frond. Uh, Graham Reed seems to sound, it sounds like you like the album. You give it a thumbs up, eh? I do, but, but you know, it's one of those things where sometimes you like somebody and maybe your critical opinion just goes out the sure. window. Um, but as I, as I said previously, you know, I think it was about Brittany Howard. I said, that's an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinyl. I will certainly buy this one on vinyl, just like I bought Little Eden. Ah. And I will play it repeatedly. Sure in the knowledge that not a single one of my friends will ever hear it, ever be interested, and couldn't give a shit. <laughs> They're wrong, and they are wrong. <laughs> Great. Veronica, does that include you? Um, I, I actually, okay. I, three, three shots. Okay, three I shots. do actually have a question. Is the album a double album, or is it just an album with 18 tracks? 19. And it, 19. Is, it, is, no, it's it is a double. Yeah. It is a double. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Because. Yeah, I think the last song is about seven okay. minutes long. It was, sorry. When we, when we were sent the, um, the link, it was like a little bit unclear whether it was one full album, because the thing that I said here was, um, I just don't think 18 tracks for an album is necessary. I would have rather it have been like a part one and part two. So I'm so glad that that is actually what it was like. Um, I said, I love a lot of the instrumentation, probably more than the vocal delivery. It sort of gives me placebo vibes, maybe with a little bit of the early Red Hot Chilies. Ah, Um, Okay. uh, (laughs) Absolutely killed the lyrics, though. Really, really beautiful. But something that really did let the album down, some of the editing just isn't it. Like I would rather have the album completely recorded live and in one studio as opposed to adding some very obvious extras that were recorded with 
very obviously a different microphone like super close like this like it was just super obvious to me um but i really liked it i think to be honest it was my favorite album this week this particular one cool all yeah. right yeah jeff what do you think uh you're I a keeper, gonna... monica you are a keeper. Ah, <laughs> do you agree knock me out jeff Knock me out. No, I I only got a chance to listen to a a very brief smidgen of this. It was probably um, just just didn't really get the opportunity. But, I mean, I'm going to defer to Graham's judgment here. And and if he's going to name drop bands like The Replacements and Huskadoo and Sonic Youth and Pavement as acts that this band sounds like, I'm probably going to go back and have a listen and see what I think. So, um, yeah, didn't quite get to this one, Marty. But trust Graham. There's a lot to listen to this week. So, (laughs) which brings it. So no, maybe, maybe I can throw one more and that'll really appeal to Marty. Blue Voice. Oh, there you go. Too, Marty. Now you're talking. Yeah. That's a good like <laughs> you got made all the aces now. You know me so well, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong with BOC. All right. Now, speaking of a lot of music to listen to, uh, there's this uh, local act, an Auckland act called Drop Spindle, which is a guy named Alexander Matthews. And he has released an album called Baby. And... Apparently, he just released another album on February 1st called Grown Up. This is Baby. And then he's got two more albums in, waiting in the wings to release in the next first. But this one here has got 30 tracks on it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting, Matty. Yeah, I, I, I didn't quite get through the whole thing because... There's a, there's only so much time in the, everyone's day. I love this show so much. <laughs> I mean, it's not so, but so he's he's basically a singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar That's and fun. a bunch of songs, and he's playing them out. And he's recording away, obviously a lot, and somewhere in Auckland here. And uh, so we'll get a we'll play the first track on it. It's called "Please Don't Leave Me Alone," and then we can uh, take it from there. So this is uh, Drop Spindle. Oh, so softly, talk to me now like I'm a little kid Cause it's getting louder, all these voices in my head Will you wait for me right at the end? Please don't leave me alone, please don't leave me alone, I said Alright, that's Drop Spindle, Please Don't Leave Me Alone Track one of about 30 on his new album I know. So in general, I mean, so you're a musician, Veronica. What do you think about the idea of just putting out all this material out there? I mean, what's the point? Does it make sense to you? I mean, nobody's going to listen. Nobody no, has time. absolutely not. Listen, do you want us, Do you want me to read out what I said about this album? I'm... Please, yes, yes, yes. You... <laughs> Excuse me, just one moment. Yep, I was just about a little sick. <clears throat> Respectfully, <laughs> no amount of whiskey and cigars could make me like this. I have no idea what's fucking going on. Respectfully, I bet this guy absolutely slays on the live scene, but I don't know. These recorded vocals are just not hitting. Great lyrics, though. It's just not really singing. It sounds like a drawl to me. All right. Yep. Well, okay. Very Sorry. good. Yeah. And he does have some interesting lyrics. There's a song called Kobe, which I'm assuming is about Kobe Bryant, the basketball player. So that kind of drew me in a little bit. And he throws in little snippets of commentaries and things, which helps break up, you know, just the fact that it's his voice and guitar for. Uh, it's great lyrics. It's great lyrics. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, and there was a line about, uh, oh, on move to the music, I kind of, you look like your mother who looks like Joan Jett. So I thought that. <laughs> Is that giving so milk or like, sorry. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. So. No, I don't think it's bad. Uh, it's just that there's is just never too bad, much Marty. Sorry. Okay, okay, thank you very much, Jeff. Did you listen to any of this? Yes, I did. I listened to the first four or five tracks yep. during a break in my uh, in my <laughs> busy day, and it was it was okay. I Veronica just made a comment. I think about the, was it you, Marty? Someone made a comment there about the about the lyrics, which um, struck me as mm. interesting. Yep. Um, but you know, thirty songs is a lot. <laughs> And um, perhaps a little self-indulgent if you're going to try and cram that much music onto one album. I mean, I, I, I own albums with 30 songs, but they're your sort of three-disc career-spanning collections or um, every song is 90 seconds and it's just yep. 
beat. So um, yeah, I, if I was um, if I was drop spindle, great name yeah. by the way. If I was drop spindle, I'd probably um, curb my enthusiasm a little <laughs> and um, put out a shorter album that hopefully held people's mm. attention for a bit longer. Well, like I said, he's got another one coming out next month and another one the month after. So. Wow! I, do you know what? I you got have a, been warned. Well done to the work ethic for real. Um, I'm a, I'm a big believer in you know. Qu- quality not necessarily quantity i feel like to be on okay to be honest i feel like in this day and age artists feel so compelled to continuously release new music to stay relevant because this is like you kind of have this mishmash of um the younger generation consuming content in half the time like they get bored really 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 quickly um but i think with that in mind it's better to just have a smaller amount of work that hits super hard and and just go with that because his his lyrics are really great it's just um it's very long yeah <laughs> very long yes <laughs> very good all righty well I, that covers the the four albums about this i think um you know jeff you and i both worked in print journalism so we understand the word of editing yeah. we get <laughs> this guy really needs to self-edit a lot yeah. um you know, I, I, I tried to listen to Kobe and I just thought, Jesus Christ, there is so much anxiety and anger, whatever it is, poured into just that one song. Um, yep. And then I, you know, and, and, and I, I get some of it, like sort of, there's a sort of folk element, but it was like the incredible string band had grown up in a bar in Dublin rather than a <laughs> Scottish field, you know, like. It was just like all out there, out there, out there. But, you know, even Springsteen and Steve Earle and John Mellencamp, you know, they they know how to leaven what they do. This just kept coming at you and coming at you. And, frankly, I just gave up. Our test looking, gets it to Brian. Brian dribbling, has to put it up with the buzzer. Banks it in! <laughs> he banks in the three! Waiting tables, your dream has begun. Your life is a fable, you dare not tell anyone. But for the kitchen hand, on the day you were done. Collect your tips from the piano stool. You play through the night time just to pay for school. And the boulevard was always there for you. And they know the mama like a horse in a stable. But he's waiting for you in the city of angels, the city of love. And, and now you're telling me there's another album. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, the, the, this really needs to. He just might want to think about what he's doing and just consider is all this information. A, necessary, and, you know, is it edited in a way which makes sense to people or is it just one thing after another? Yep, 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 yep. You know, you know I, I get that. I mean, if I might just say, that, to tell this anecdote. I went to Vietnam in 1995 and, uh, you know, when nobody was going there, it only just opened up for tourism again. After the war, I'd been there during the war. And in 1995, I went there and I came back and I wrote this big story for the Herald. And it was really big and it was impressive and I loved it and I thought I was so proud. And somebody said to me, I really liked your stories about Vietnam. And I said, well, there was just one. And this person said, no, there weren't. There were four stories in there. You just wrote them in one. And I thought, you're absolutely right. I tried to put everything in there 
And that's how I feel about what, you know, Alex Matthews right. did. He's trying to get it all out there. And sometimes you pull on the handbrake and you just wait. Yeah, there you go. All right. And, there, and there's, because Veronica, I think you used the term um, urgency for the previous record. Yeah. And, and here it's intensity in his vocal. Mm. And there's only so much of that you can take uh, one after another, and then you, it loses its effect anyway. One track, the intensity. maybe, that's yeah. all. Like, there's a tune called uh, Tombstone, which was, I think, the third one, and so you probably all heard that one, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it got pretty intense, and there was something about Kiwi jams in there and all that, so there were some interesting lyrics going on, but it got lost in the intensity, I He's kind of hot man, got the drinks cold, and what's that, my girl? Ain't woke, probably dreaming those bed sheets, soaking wet, sun through the window, sleep gate tight. I said, hey man, turn the radio up, what's the station? Those Kiwi jams, I said, my band, the last stand, like the tombstone. Western, all those cowboys, girls rocking on a Friday night. Blue jeans, leather boots, I think you're alright. It's kind of tombstone, drawing your gun for the love fight. They're Drop spindle, that's it. Now, uh, we, we always tend to have good conversations at the end of all the, uh, the music. And, of course, this is the day after the whole TV3 debacle has uh, gone down with uh, just around the corner. Well, I, I, I'm right around the corner from TV3, so I went over there at, just after 11 o'clock yesterday morning and saw everybody. There was uh, guards everywhere, and people were filing out, and there was a group of people standing on the sidewalk at 11.30 in the morning, looking for a bar that was open. So Honestly, they'd been, valid. It, I mean, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And it's probably going to get worse rather than better. And and so the reason is because, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to try and stimulate some music journalism. Yeah. Uh, but journalism in general is obviously not being respected or being valued at all. And that's why uh, we're down to one TV station and uh, – which is government run and nothing independent anymore. And uh, I'm interested in hearing what you guys are th thought when you heard about all that yesterday. Well, as a, for, as a former New Zealand Herald journalist, I, I'll just weigh in very quickly. Um, it, it's an absolute tragedy um, on a personal level. Uh, I remember reading once that every person um, killed in a road accident directly affects 10 other people. So you multiply it by yep. 10. So... If we're talking about 300 people losing their jobs, that's 3,000 in this city have just lost their jobs, and that's directly impacted. So let's take the journalism stuff out of it, sure. you know? Yep. Because, you know, I see online already people are sort of starting to say nonsense about, oh, well, you deserve it. Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you were, you were left-wing or right-wing or whatever bullshit people prefer to think about in the media. But on a personal, you know, on a human level, 300 people lost their, uh, are losing their jobs. That would seem to be the nature of it, which means 3,000 people are directly affected. Yep. And then you've got, you know, I well, you know, you know where TV3 is in Auckland. You know, Galbraith is going to be affected. Mm. All little cafes yep. and bars around there are going to be affected. This is not good news on any level, on a simply economic mm. level. That is just terrible, yep. let alone whatever is happening in the news media. Yep. The news media is imploding. Uh, bits are flying off left, right, and centre. And it's all very well for people to say, oh, people are getting their news from elsewhere. Actually, no, they're not. They're getting their goddamn opinions from elsewhere. That's all they're getting. They're just getting some bullshit that reinforces what they think because they're not going to other media. Yep. You know? They're doing their own research, whatever the hell that means these days. And so, yeah, this is a terrible, terrible thing to have happened in the news media landscape. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that the, the glib comments that I am seeing now uh, just speak to how little regard people have for the information they need, not just what they want, but what they need 
to make informed judgments. But, you know, people don't give a shit about that anymore. Mm. People don't want information. They want their opinion, you know, validated. Reinforced. And believe, believe me, as you and I know, that will absolutely happen on whatever, you know, internet website or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I really feel for those people um, so sudden. Yep, yep, yep. It's... And, and we know where the jobs in journalism and PR mm. these days. They can't even move yeah. sideways. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah that's true. So, Veronica, and that's, I'm curious, Veronica, do you watch the news? What? <laughs> yes, of course I watch the news. No, but I mean, like, do you watch 6 o'clock news on TV? Yes. Okay. I love the I'm, news. Because I, I'm just wondering if it's, a, if it's a thing that people do still. I think, look, I think because when I grew up, that was a huge part of, you know, us coming together as a family after everyone's, you know, had their work day, you know, we would sit, we watch the news, we'd have our dinner, we'd have a conversation, you know, that kind of thing. Um, listen, I feel like I'm sort of the wild card. Sometimes I say some real controversial shit, but what I will say is <laughs> I think that it is a genuine travesty that there is only going to be one news outlet in this country that, Mm, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. it's giving agenda 2030 okay give that read into that however you like um it's it's just I think that having one exclusive news media agency is a, in a country kind of doesn't allow challenging opinions it doesn't allow a rebuttal it doesn't allow people to see the other side maybe to challenge what's being spoken about on the previous news, news channel so i just um I, I definitely really feel for all of those people who have lost their jobs where the hell are they going to go what jobs are right. they going to have but most you know it's defined most important but i think you know ultimately the new zealand um nation is going to miss out on having a second opinion um and and be i guess encouraged to challenge their previous thoughts on societal issues whatever that may be all right and jeff i'm guessing you have something to say about it yeah i do and i agree 100 percent with what graham has mentioned before I, I haven't always been a fan of news hub uh, but i have always been a fan of a 6 p.m news bulletin and veronica i am encouraged to hear that that you are someone in your generation who still checks out a 6 p.m news bulletin because i think you are in a minority in terms of oh, your demographic um uh, it is a shame it is absolutely it is a shame um, I was brought up by a father who never missed the 6pm news and that was ingrained in me and so tonight I missed the 6pm news because I'm doing the podcasts but but I will check it later on. Um, as Graham touched on, I mean I've been really really shocked by some of the comments that I've seen on social media, you deserve it, about time, you reap what you sow, what? good job, all this kind of nonsense and, yep. and yep. while... Yep. While at times I've had issues with some of News Hub's reporting and, and, and some of the narratives and the angles, um, the, the, the key point here for me is that you need many media voices in an open democracy to, as Graham said, to challenge authority and not just government agencies, but to challenge mm -hmm. corporate authority, to challenge non-profit yep. authority, to challenge sporting leaders, to challenge athletes, to challenge musicians, to challenge film directors. And if you take away one very loud, impactful voice that presents that challenge to those people, you deny the audience another opportunity to, to hear what they need to say. And and yeah, I'm very concerned about the mm. media escape in New Zealand at the moment. I miss being a regular working journalist, no doubt about it. I was very fortunate to, to meet and interview some people I greatly admired. Um, but I got it's been 13 years since I got out of it now. And as I look back on it with what's happened this week, I'm kind of glad I got out oh, because it's going through it's going through a massive mm. shift. You know, the business model does not appear to work anymore. Um, I think the pandemic has has been you know documented in, in some excellent um, documentary films that I've seen. The pandemic um, opened the door for a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of fringe alternative views that aren't necessarily bedded in reality. Um, you know, I also think at times the media has itself to blame. I mean, uh, Veronica, block your ears. I'm, I'm going to say something negative about Taylor Swift. Oh, please. Um, I, I, I oh, my gosh, she's a billionaire. I, I worry. I worry that the celebrification of news is part of the reason the general public is I turning agree. off. I agree. I, I agree. Celebrity worship is, is crazy. What, the Herald. 
Yeah, and it's not just that. I mean, there's there's one media agency in New Zealand that I won't name. It in the last couple of years, it has published, um, it has published a review of a sandwich. It has published a story on whether you are doing your laundry properly and whether you are folding your towels properly. Oh, there you go. And I mean, Graham, I'm interested in your view on this. That is not journalism to me. That is it's just, giving buzz. That is just content for the. It's it's content for the sake of yeah. content. Um, and so look. 300 people out of work at News Hub, mm. that is terrible. You know, these people are going to struggle oh, to yeah. find jobs. There are some very well-respected, hard-working, mm. long-serving journalists who have been on News Hub. And um, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what this means for democracy, what it means for media mm -hmm. generally. I'm concerned at what, about what it means for a knowledgeable, informed, up-to-date public. Why don't they go digital, though? That's what I don't understand, right? But but they but they but but that's kind of where it's right. going. I mean, terrestrial TV as a medium is yeah. it's dying. No getting away from it. What what I would like to see, and I don't think I will see it, but I, I hold out a little bit of hope, is that Sky TV is the other big player in New Zealand's broadcast market. Might scoop up some of those reporters and producers. I don't think so. And say, oh, okay, we'll take you on, but but they're not going to do it yeah. because unfortunately, Sky it's too easy for them just to take piped in content from overseas. Yeah, I worked, um, I worked yeah, Sky for twenty five years. It, they I can't see that ever happening. Right. I mean, yeah. anything's possible, but it's very unlikely. And it's because yeah. I, from my point of view, when I arrived here in ninety four, I couldn't believe that TV one and TV2 were run by the government and run by our tax money, and they were commercial entities. I mean, in the States, yeah. one thing we do have kind of right is the public broadcasting thing. We have PBS, which is, doesn't mm -hmm. compete with the commercial. So, so TV3 was always doomed, I thought, because mm -hmm. they just couldn't couldn't compete. They weren't playing on the same playing level field. But it's, it also, the, 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 decision from, the decision from Warner Brothers um, Discovery... Um, it just shows the sheer brutality of corporate things. Oh yeah, you know, it, it's it's like they are they are so absolutely driven by profit, and I get it. I mean, they've been losing tens of billions of dollars for years, and no business can sustain that. But clearly, for Warner Brothers Discovery and some of the previous owners of of TV three, the 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 corporate desire to generate revenue and profit clearly supersedes anything about public good. Yep, and, yep, and yep, yep, public. yep, yep. Exactly right. So I think hopefully maybe it is a digital platform that all this stuff needs to be on eventually. And maybe somebody will come along, the newsroom folks, maybe they'll take some of these people in and turn themselves into a, a bigger platform that with, with the people that are obviously available and looking mm -hmm. for work. I have just some, one small comment to make, uh, you know, about the way our news is reported. And it's a very simple thing to observe. Um, our news will, will tell us, and when I say our, it's inverted commas, the news channels will tell us our Prime Minister and our government. Just think about that for a second. It's the Prime uh, Minister yeah. and it's the, the government. Yeah. But somehow it is just our Prime Minister, our government. And that idea is just part of, I just think, an increasingly you know, isolationist, uh, inward-looking aspect of this country, which I think has emerged in the, I would say, in the past five years. Increasingly, we are insular. Right. You know, we see ourselves and the rest of the world as something different and often dangerous. That's all I would want to say about that. I just think if we listen to the language that is being used about our government, our prime minister, you know, I, I I find that really really uncomfortable. There's no objectivity in that at all. Right. Take me aside, you know. Anyway, that's all I have to say about. Very that. good. Alrighty. Well, that three hundred people just are losing their jobs. Yep. That's wrong. It is indeed. You know, that's a terrible thing to happen to those people. Yep, yep, and the yep, rich yep, keep absolutely. getting richer. That's the fucked up thing about it, right? Yep, that's probably a song in that. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Paul, Simon, Paul Simon said, a man hears what he wants to hear and he disregards the rest. The rest. Yep. Paul Simon? Oh, I have to listen Isn't to that. Isn't that increasingly true? Paul Simon? Lila. I, have no, I have no idea who that is. Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, okay. All right, guys, I promise you I'm not stupid. I just, I'm... I'm... <laughs> 
You're just young. I'm not. It's okay. I'm not just young. You'll get over it. I'm, thir- I'm 30 in two <laughs> weeks. I'm not that young. Uh, no, oh, jeez. <laughs> you're taking medication. What, what was that? I heard meds. That, <laughs> my ears pricked up when you said medication. Hmm? Uh, no, no. All right. Well, now I know what song to go out on. We'll play a little Simon and Garfunkel to uh, take us to the end. Uh, thank you all for doing this again. Uh, it, the sound thinking is what we need more of these days, and let's hope it spreads to the rest of the community as well because things are not looking good. But thank you, and see you next week. I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Mm-hmm.